What's up? What's up? It's Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies. I have a special guest. I know people are always like, dang, you always say you got a special guest, but this is a, a real special guest. This is like a person who I've known and kind of built a relationship with over the years. It's my guy, Alex Pugh. What's up, man? What's up? What's up, man? Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem. So I was thinking like, did I meet you when I was working for the Legends? Is that where we met? I do believe we met when you were when you were working with the legends. I and, and I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, dang, when did when did we truly meet? But I I do recall I, I, to my memory, I believe you was with the legends at the time. Yeah, for those that don't know, I um my start with professional basketball was with the Texas Legends. I had a very, very brief stint with the LA Clippers, but I won't count that because I got fired. <laughs> after like three days because I had a, a no call, no show because my car broke down on my way to, to uh, I had to go to like this. It was bogus. So I had to take, I, I got a job as an intern, right? And to be an intern, I had to get class credit. So I'm a grown man. I went to a community college and took PE <laughs> so I can get class credit for this Clippers internship, right? So here oh, wow. I am, a grown man playing kickball <laughs> at this community college PE, and I got to go to the teacher like, hey, can you, uh, can you sign up on this paperwork so I can take it in and get credit for it? He's like, man, you taking my class just for a, a credit? And I'm like, yeah. And he wasn't really feeling that. So anyway, one day I had to go to um, – pick up the paperwork to take back to the Clippers. And it was like, you know, LA is expensive. I was living out there at the time. Then, um, I, you know, I was living by myself. And then while I was in LA, the Clippers internship was so demanding. You had to like work every game day, which is like 41 nights out of the year, but you had to be there during the day also. And I was like a PR intern, but the plan was if I do well in the PR internship, they will let me go to the basketball operations side. Well, on my like second or third day, it was just bad luck. My car stopped and yeah. my car stopped, like the engine went out and I couldn't even charge my phone. And then I tried to call in and you know, I couldn't get through directly. Then once I finally got through, it was like, man, you did a no call, no show, you're done. <laughs> so I ended up like moving back to Texas. Uh, and I lost the internship. Then they told me it's like $20,000 to fix the engine on my car. I was like, dang, I ain't got no money. So I ended up taking an unpaid internship with the Texas Legends. And then from there, I mean, that was like a life changing for me because the Legends were new. They had no, they barely had a staff. And I was like, man, I'll do whatever. So, man, I was driving the team van. I was washing clothes. I was uh, filming practices. Man, I was just doing whatever grunt work. So, but now let's get to your your mock draft. Yeah. This is uh, this is a little this is different. Um, <laughs> let, this, you know what? Let's just get right into it. Let's get right into it. The Minnesota Timberwolves. If you are Number the Minnesota one. Timberwolves, explain to me or tell me who is your number one pick and explain why. 
If I'm the Minnesota Timberwolves, my number one pick is Obi Toppin. Um, I think if no, this draft doesn't have necessarily a, a true defined best player, um, but I think everything in which Obi brings to the table, um, he can shoot it a little bit, his athleticism, um, the NBA moving or some teams playing a small ball game, um, just his versatility. Uh, he can play in space. He can post up. He can play beside Carl Towns. Um, if Carl Towns needs to, he can pass. If, if Carl Towns needs to step, go out, he can play the small ball five. Um, so I just, I just, I just, I love his versatility with his ability to play in space, play on the, um, out the pick and roll, operate in the dunker. Um, I just think it's so much that you can do with them. So, yeah, I, I, I like Obi. All right, so what about the, the fit defensively? Can you play him and Cat together? I think so. Um, ultimately, rebound the ball. Um, the NBA, it's a, it's a weird game. Obviously, teams are defending, but at the same time, which when you're not able to hand check and put your hands and touch and things of that nature, it's hard to defend in the league regardless of the position. Um, so I'm more, what, what does he bring to the table offensively? Um, and I like, I like his skill set. I like his will set. I like his athleticism. Put it on the floor. I, defense, I think it's, I don't ignore it but I don't put as much stock and value as, as some other people might. Clearly. <laughs> Cause you know, I mean like Obi Toppin is, I think he might have the widest range in this draft, listening to other people like make their big boards. Like the, number one is the highest I've seen him, but I've seen him like five, 15. Some people don't think he's a lottery pick and they just feel that way strictly based off of his defense. Like nobody questions his offensive game like you should. And I've, I'm on record of saying I think he's the best or most complete offensive player in this draft and most NBA ready right now. I think he can win rookie of the year because he's more polished. I mean, he's older than the rest of the guys in his class, but I think that he's the most NBA ready right now on the offensive end of the floor. And, and I'm glad you said that because it's like in my mind, the NBA is an offensive game, you know, um, it's points driven, it's stats driven, um, in the variety of ways in which Obi can put it in the basket, especially in comparison to the other guys in the draft. It's like, you got to draft offense. That's, that's what the, that's what the game has become. So him being like, if you feel if he's the best offensive player in the draft, how is he not? you know what I'm saying, kind of in that first tier? Well, I think the the reason um, for me is because if you look at, like, teams in the uh, playoffs, in which I don't think Minnesota's a playoff team. So, but if he, if they do get to the point in the playoffs, you see guys like, well, Michael Porter Jr., where at, at one point they couldn't really play him because – they were just picking on him every play in Utah. He was putting him in, like, ball screens. I think at one point it was something crazy, like, 
the Jazz were shooting like 66% when Michael Porter was guarding somebody. Or even like to a, another extent, I remember speaking of the Jazz, which, I mean, like you, you, you work with Quinn. And one of the things I like about Quinn is that if he sees like a weakness, he's going to attack it. And so he's going to attack it. 2000, was it 18, the year they played the Thunder in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. And they literally put Melo in pick and roll every single time with Donovan Mitchell, every single play. And so um, so I said all that to say this. So I wonder, like, if Obi Toppin is one of your best players and if you're in the playoffs, a guy like Quinn Snyder is going to make you as a coach decide, do we keep running through Obi or do we have to – because if you – like, if – you know, he would attack Towns and Toppin. And so he'll put you in a position where, okay, you can't play both of them together. And I felt like True. they put Michael Porter Jr. in a position where they had to play Millsap more, even though Porter was bringing more on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. So I could see I that happening with Toppin. And, and I'm sure at some point it will. Um, I just hope, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on his offense, you know what I'm saying, kind of. Once again, bringing more value than, than than the defensive end of the floor. I respect it. You know, like you gave me a really valid reason of, of why. I'm not saying other guys haven't, but the point that you drove, it, it makes sense. You know, nobody can really check anybody. So might as well just go all in on offense. <laughs> go all in. <laughs> makes sense. All right, number two, Golden State Warriors. Who's your number two for them? Um, Golden State, and see, truth be told, I was praying Golden State got the number one just because I wanted to see if they would take Obi. Um, because I thought, like I said, I think he's a plug and play, but Golden State falling to number two. Um, I think you got to take Anthony Edwards once again. Offense, man, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Scoring will always be supreme. So guys that can put it in a basket at a high clip, once again, can dribble, shoot, and pass. Um, he, he has sufficient length, um, but he has the athleticism. He has the frame, the body. Obviously, he has a long way to go to uh, develop as a player, just being able to really, really use his gifts, get downhill, attack off the bounce, use his athleticism, just be more creative than just being a guy that just want to shoot the long ball. But the way the Warriors play at the tempo, um, the free flow, um, I think that'll be a system that he can learn and flourish. Right. So one of the things I failed to mention um, during your introduction is that you have a lot of experience from the AAU side. And, you know, you're kind of well-known in the Houston area on, on the AAU and the, and the prep circuit. So did you ever get a chance to watch um, Anthony when he was in high school? Anthony came to Houston in high school. He came He came to Houston, and uh, I don't remember the exact team in which they played, but but uh, Anthony Edwards and his high school team played two games um, here in Houston. I, I, saw, I did see him in high school. So what did you and, think of him in high school? Was it one of those situations where his team went to one of these big-time tournaments and got blown out? Because I, I saw that that happened. The, the first game, the first game he didn't deliver. 
it, it was it was kind of like this is what everyone is calling the number one but game two he came and he delivered you know what i'm saying big shot deep shot and ones it was like okay he's a man amongst boys like yeah he's certified you know what i'm saying so if you got to see players more than once because right. if you would have just saw him that first game you would have been highly upset um obviously it's a lot of hype surrounding players nowadays especially at the grassroots level um but he wasn't hyped you know what i'm saying like first game i i don't really know how to identify what to call it but uh game two it was a uh, get your popcorn because it was show. a show <laughs> it was a show all right so if he goes to golden state you see him being like their six man um i think i think for starters yes um because obviously they have a very deep deep team um especially on the wing with clay thompson wiggins and steph um so i think initially he would he would have to kind of be that six man yeah all right um yeah, because I, I wonder, based off of now, you know, we don't know who they're going to sign in free agency or whatever. I would say Draymond is obviously going to be the four, weakness the three, Clay, Steph. And if they go with Chris at at the five. Now, do you think that James Wiseman would fit more of a need? Or do you believe that you can get the similar production out of Chris and then get you know, more scoring with, with Ant as your six man. I, I think I do, I do think you can get more from Edwards, especially immediately, because he's wired to score. You know, when he touches the floor, is no we don't have to guess what he's gonna bring. We know he's bringing a high powered offensive game. Um, with Wiseman, big just take longer to develop, just adjusting to the tempo, adjusting to the physicality. Um, Wiseman has an amazing skill set, being able, once again, dribble, shooting pass as a seven-footer with tremendous length, you know. But um, for the Warriors, who I think they are going for it, they're not coming in for development purposes. Like, they're coming in to get back to the Western Conference Finals, get back to the finals, trying to trying to hang another banner. So. Right. You you gotta you gotta pick which way you wanna approach it. Do you wanna take two three years to develop, or do you wanna bring this guy, give him minutes, develop him through the season, and know what you have to 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 go with come come postseason play? All right, now did you get a chance to watch him play in high school AAU? Grass, Wiseman. Yeah, I, I did not get the, get a chance to see Wiseman play in, at the grassroots level. Because he played in the EYBL, right? Did he play for... He played in the team, EYBL. Team Penny? You were Adidas, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I was on that. At that time, yeah, I was... Uh, I was... The last affiliation I was with, I was on the Adidas side. Okay. What's crazy with me, man, I've been gone so much. I've seen more of the international players in this draft class than I have the American guys. Like, all yeah. the American guys I've seen... If I if I saw them, that means I saw them at an international tournament, like the uh, yeah. 2019 um, under 19 tournament in Greece. But I've seen more so the international guys because I've spent more time 
abroad the last few years. So it's kind of weird that sure. it's, it's the opposite. All right, hey, that's so a, that's, a, that's a great learning experience. I, w- yeah. I, I look forward to one day seeing, seeing going over there and really, really being able to dive into the European brand of basketball. It, but, you know, it's tough to project because so you, you, you watch a guy, he's like, dang, all right, he's nice on this level. And then you go back and then you watch high school AAU games and you're like, all right, how would he – how would he fit in that situation? And then when you see them play, you know, if it's an opportunity where they play against the U.S., they're usually, like, overwhelmed because the U.S. team is going to have nine, ten athletes, and they got this one guy from his country that totally sure. stands out, and they're bringing, you know, multiple waves of defenders at him. So it's kind of tough to – to determine. I mean, like the best player I've ever seen on like the prep circuit or, or played against USA. I mean, you can look it up. It was RJ Barrett, like destroyed Team USA in 2017. Yeah, yeah. 30 something. But even then, like, he seemed like he was so much better than everybody at that, at that stage in that tournament. But then when he got to the NBA, he wasn't even, I don't think he made first team all rookie was not good enough it's it's weird like you would think that tyler hero might be a better player long term than rj barrett i mean it could be you know being a prisoner of the moment but that's a whole different story for sure (laughs) so it's a a lot of different variables right but I, i i'm predicting i'm hoping that you'll be back on soon and we we can talk about all those different variables I look forward to it. All right. So let's go to number three, Charlotte Hornets. We've talked about Wiseman. And so you think Wiseman would be a good fit there? I do. I think, I think um, obviously, Charlotte is rebuilding. Um, they have some really talented guards. The big situation, it's kind of been hit or miss for the last five, six years. Obviously, they had Bismack. Um, miss. Hernan Gomez. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's no truth. Uh, so I think they. What's my man's name? Zeller? Is it no? No, is it Zeller? Yeah, they, it, Zeller was over there. He was over there too. He's a he's a fifth pick, fourth or fifth pick. Yikes. You can't afford to miss when you when you got a, a lottery pick. You can't afford to miss. It set your franchise back for years to come. Yeah, I mean you so, can say they messed up with MKG. They messed up with uh with Zeller. Um, that was what number two, number five. Um, yeah, I mean, I think did they draft Bismack or was he? They did because uh, the year uh, I was I in they Charlotte, did. they had Cody and they had Bismack. I mean, they they hit with Kimball. Yeah, but they yeah, hit they, with Kimball. They've uh, um, put nothing beside them. And and you can say Malik Monk that that hasn't worked out well for them also. So they need um they they definitely need to to. Strike it big on, on, on this pick right here. So you think Wiseman would be the guy? Worth the gamble. Um, obviously, he has some learning to do to the, for the NBA game. But, I mean, a big that can shoot it always has a, a different level of value. Um, he can play in space. He can play running the DHO, moves well, runs the floor well. Um, enough athleticism, especially when combined with his length um rim protector um so so i I do believe 
that that could be a really, really good fit for Wiseman. Because he'll be think, able to, you know what I'm saying, just kind of soar, open his wings, and just fly. Yeah. Do you think that they have the guards to get him the ball? I do. Um, <clears throat> I like Terry Rozier. I know he didn't have the best year this year. Um, Devontae Graham played phenomenal, you know. But um, I think I think the guards that they do have, they're willing and able passers, and that's most important. You know, you, some guys can't make that pass. They want to, you know what I'm saying? They, they see it and they want to deliver it, but they just aren't physically capable of delivering that pass with proper timing um, in, in the pocket where, you know what I'm saying, just, just precision passing. So I, I do believe Devontae Graham and, 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 and uh, Terry Rozier are both more than able to facilitate the basketball. Now, do you think that P.J. can play the five? P.J. who? Washington. No. Because you know it's a small ball league. But I was wondering, yeah. like, if they went another direction, if they took a wing, could they put P.J. after five? It's not a recipe for success. Um, small ball, it has its time throughout the course of a, of a game. You can go small and really, really change the tempo. Um, if you're behind, catch up because obviously it's a lot of threes and you can just play at a different tempo. But as far as long-term success, I don't believe you can play five guards or five wings and and truly, truly go win a championship. If you're Charlotte, you're just trying to get to the HC. <laughs> you figure that That's out. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I like the wise talent available. Yeah, I, I agree. They definitely have to uh, swing for the fences here. I don't think they have the luxury of being able to butcher this draft. Yeah. All right, number four, um, Chicago Bulls. This is another pick. That, this is the highest I've seen this prospect. So what do you have for Chicago? For Chicago, I mean, looking at Chicago's roster, they don't have a – a specific direction that they have to go. Um, so for, for Chicago, I have them taking Devin Vassell. Um, I like his, once again, his versatility. Um, he can dribble, shoot, and pass. Um, he has the athleticism. He has the tenacity on the defensive end um, to really, really guard his yard. Um, and, and I just think, for an NBA wing, he's ideal. Like like I said, he has the ability to make a shot. He has the ability to tomahawk on top of the rim, um, rebound at a high level. Um, and, and the NBA, like people can look at college, but college and the league are two total different games. Yeah. He might have not have the tightest handle when we're talking at the collegiate level. But at the NBA level, with the NBA spacing, the defensive rules, and the development, you know, um, I'm pretty sure he'll spend time in the G League. But end of the day, he, he makes shots. A wing that makes shots, has the athleticism, can do a little bit, putting it on the deck, making plays for others. I'm going to take that every time. See, I think that Chicago would be a good fit for him because he doesn't necessarily need the ball. 
Exactly. And they have a lot of guys that need the ball and they need their touches. I think that uh, I feel like he needs to work on his handle because I think for sure. And I've I've been saying it like the past few podcasts. I think his ceiling. I'm sorry, not his ceiling. I think his floor might be Trevor Ariza. Not bad. Trevor Ariza's played a long not, time. Not bad at all. NBA but, champion. Right. But I think his ceiling could be like a Paul George if he worked on the handle, worked on um, creating his own shot. Like right now. I mean, I've watched all his film. It's two dribbles, pull up. If he drives mm-hmm. hard, you, you step in front of him, spin move, pull up. Like, he doesn't really have more than a two-dribble package. I wonder if it's because he doesn't have it or is it because he's so light, he can't take the contact and get all the way to the rim. Because I notice once he does get to the basket, he kind of throws up off-balance shots or, or fades. But he has the touch. So to me... For him to reach his maximum potential, I think that he needs to be able to attack the rim more because he doesn't get to the free throw. Sure. But but that's the benefit of the NBA spacing. Um, yeah. Just being a straight line driver, um, opportunities when you, when he does come off the pick and roll, when that time comes, I think his explosiveness. Um, I, I think I I believe I tell myself he'll be able to get there and finish. Um, I kind of view him like you named some really good names, Trevor Ariza, Paul George. I, I like to even think of a, like an Andre Iguodala. Obviously, he's a better shooter than Iggy, but just that just that versatile wing that can do a lot of different things on the floor yeah. to make positive, positive plays. See, I think the difference between him and Iggy was Iggy, remember, Iggy was playing like point forward. Iggy was playing the point. Yeah, but I think that yeah, I mean, I, I think Vassell has one of the highest ceilings in this draft. But he has a high Absolutely. ceiling to me. But I think that he's a very, very safe pitch. And his floor is still a 10-year NBA starter. Right. And, 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 and then you think about what he's going to bring on the defensive end, gaining extra possessions, playing the passing lanes, chase down blocks. Um, just, just, just being a pest. Like I really, really like. I really, really like Vassell. Right. I, I think that's a, a good pick. All right. So Cleveland, number five. Cleveland, and and I'm not super well versed on the European guys. I've done my research, checking Synergy, checking YouTube. I've seen, I, I because I haven't seen these guys in person. I try and turn over every stone. Um, and I think I have – you can help me pronounce that. I have not taken Denny Avid Av- – how, how you say his last name? Avdia. Avdia. It's like Avdia. Yeah, the J is silent. Avdia. Avdia. I haven't taken Denny Avdia. And I just, I just think uh, from what I've seen, Swiss Army knife, um, glue, um, can do – a lot once again his versatility can dribble can make a shot probably not what he hang his hat on but he can make a shot obviously we hope to see him improve on it but he can put it on the deck make plays for others make people around him better um snatch it off the glass lead the break um secondary ball handler to pick and roll exactly so yeah. so i think they're in a their roster is once again, it's kind of it's a funky looking roster. So they they need they need versatility 
Um, but I haven't taken Den Denny out Avia. All right. So, what do you think about their backcourt with Garland and Sexton? Do you think they that need to make a decision? Make a decision. What about all right? So if they had to make a decision, do you think they can move Porter? Do you think he's the answer after two? Because I think Porter is super talented, and I've been on um, record as saying. Talent for talent, Porter skill is, for skill. Is Anthony Edwards that much better than Kevin Porter Jr.? No, it's not that big of a gap. And and talent for talent, skill for skill, Porter Jr. might be better. You know, he, he has the same athleticism, the same length. Um, I think he's a little, I don't know. I can't say he's he's a tougher kid because I don't know either of them personally, but I don't think it's a that big of a gap where one goes number one and the other goes 30. But we see that disparity all the time. Um, but I do think Porter is a long-term two. Um, if I had to make a decision, I'm probably looking to move Sexton. Um, I, I like, I like the guard. I like Garland as, as a point guard, um, willing playmaker. Um, Willing and able playmaker. I know the the left hand shooter. He was hurt a lot of last year. What's his name? Um, Will um, Windler. When yeah, Wilder Dylan, or something like that. Dylan Windler. Yeah. So when they get him back, um, and and like I said, Denny, you can kind of play him all over the floor at the three. If you want to play him at the four, um, but I I think it it'll give their roster some balance. Um, but ultimately. They have to make a decision in regards to what they're going to do with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Right. So back to Porter. And I don't know. I'm not saying like I got some insider information. I don't know anything. So if, you know, his people are watching this, I don't need them attacking me. But my question is, his intel had to have been really, really bad <laughs> for him to fall that far in the draft. I know he got suspended for something at USC. To my knowledge, it never came out what he did. He didn't start at USC. But talent-wise, you can't tell me that there were 30 players better than him talent-wise last year. Absolutely you can't tell me not. 10. So for him to fall that low, the only thing I can think of is his intel had to have been like really, really bad. Nobody had anything positive to say. And I, and once again, I'm guessing. But had like it. you said, for him to fall out of the lottery to the 30th pick where teams didn't even want to chance it, yeah, that intel, that intel, it had to be, you know, you know, they, they slid him under the bus on so many levels. Yeah, that's – maybe one day I'll, I'll be lucky enough to find out, but something just doesn't – it doesn't add up because, like I said, talent-wise, he's he's got it. As far as Sexton, I like Sexton a lot. Um, uh, Garland reminds me of James Wiseman in a sense that Garland struggled his rookie year because he only played maybe like four or five games in college. So it was literally like he went from high school to a year's season's worth of rust to the NBA. I wouldn't mm -hmm. be shocked to see Wiseman have that same adjustment period 
even though Wiseman's role would be a whole lot easier, he's not going to have to run a team and, For and sure. be counted on to do that. But, you know, I still think it's difficult to go from high school, three games in a whole calendar year to the league. No matter how much film you watch, no matter how much you work out, you know, how good you look on your – you can't simulate game action. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, I know people love to say Kyrie Irving did it. Kyrie different. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, like that, that's that. Now you, you understand, you know, like this is a bucket business. You know what I'm saying? So if, if you – if if you come out and who you are is getting a bucket, ah, in time you'll figure it out. You know what I'm saying? And Kyrie, from the day he touched the league, he did not defer. It was I'm here to get buckets, and that's what he does. Right. I could be wrong, but I think Kyrie's situation was even different because he got hurt early in the season. But I think he's he came back, so he still stayed around the team the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure with either of those guys if they stayed with the team. If I'm not mistaken, they went out and prepared for the draft. I, I do believe you are correct. I, I think both of those guys did leave to go prepare for the draft. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm not knocking it. it. It makes total sense, but I think the difference is Kyrie came. He ended up coming back and mm-hmm. same with, like, Porter Jr. He still he, – he stuck around. He ended up playing – in the tournament, I want to say he played like one game in the tournament, maybe like a conference mm-hmm. tournament game. And then he sat out a whole year. But I think the experience may be a little different because he was always around a team setting as opposed to just one-on-one with a trainer. Yeah. All right, so moving on to Atlanta. You got Atlanta taking a, a big. So I got I, I Atlanta want, taking a big. Yeah, I want, I want to hear your reasons why, especially um, – with Capella on board? Um, my main reason is because Atlanta has, I think they have a beautiful roster. Um, the depth that they have on the wing, hopefully they're able to re-sign Jeff Teague and, and, and let him man that second unit. But they have the, the, the versatility on the wings. So taking another wing or another guard might be redundant. Obviously, up front, they have mainly Capella and, and Josh Collins. Um it just just takes depth. I think I think um speaking of I gotta say his name, Oneka Onieka. Help me out with that. O Kongwu. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's who I have Atlanta taking at six. Uh big man out of USC. Um I just like his physicality, his ability to um Run the floor, his mobility, his physicality. Um, he can he can make a shot in space. Obviously, you don't want to see him living out there predominantly, but but he he has the ability to you know make a shot in space, similar to John Collins. Obviously, Clint Capella is more of a uh rim run, pick and roll dunker. But I think the the main thing for Atlanta is their bigs got to be mobile, and he has the mobility to sprint up. Um, set good screens, roll hard, um, even if he was operating in the DHO. Um, I, I just think it gives them roster uh, roster depth and another physical presence. I mean, we don't know exactly where Clint Capella stands with his, with his injury. So 
Um, just just having having another body that you can play at the five. Or I mean, he could play with Clint. He could play uh, with John. You know, it's, it's just I just like the versatility that he, he brings to their roster. Do you think they, if they were to go in that direction, do you think they move Deadman? Because I, I have to wonder, like, all right, Deadman was with Atlanta, Trey's rookie year. He signed a big deal with Sacramento, but then they brought him back. Mm-hmm. Then they brought him back. And so I wonder, because they, they want to pick and pop threat, because that's pretty much what Dwayne does is, is shoot threes now. And then I, mm-hmm. I wonder, was it because he's a, they felt like he was a good compliment to Trey as far as, like, opening the floor? I think, I think all of the above. A uh, good compliment. Um, ability to, to make shots, but I think more, more so they knew who he was. And, yeah. and bringing him back, he knew the role that he was going to be in. Um, so I think it was a situation that everyone was comfortable with. Um, if they were to draft Okongwu, absolutely, Demon ultimately probably would get moved. Um, but hey, that's that's part of the business that's the nature of the beast so you believe that because you had mentioned it being redundant if they bring a wing and i feel like no matter what position they would draft at at this high in a draft it's going to be redundant if they take a five they got capella who's making like i don't know i think he's signed for 70 80 if they take a four same position as john collins if they take a three same position as reddish or hunter or whoever they decide is the three. They take a two, you take another one. So I feel like no matter who they take, it's going to be redundant. And so in, in, in for you, you thought the best fit is still a five. So it's, I think Atlanta's going to have a tough time. I wouldn't be shocked if they trade because, like you said, whoever they take is going to play the same position as somebody that they just drafted or just made a big move for. Totally agree. And that's why, like I said, with, with the big man, at least he has the mobility to play at the tempo that Atlanta wants to play at. Um, and, and he's a threat all over the floor. So if they ultimately decided to keep him and develop him, um, time in the G or however they chose to approach it, um, long term, I think it pays dividends. All right. So and here we go right here. So Obi Toppin was the first shocker. I'd say Vassell to Chicago at four was number two. And this is number three. Who do you have the Detroit Pistons taking at number seven? I have the Detroit Pistons taking Tyrese Maxey. Um, I think they need a point guard. Um, I think Tyrese Maxey, regardless of how anyone feels, I believe he's the best point guard in the draft. Um, I know he he's he gets buckets. Okay, cool. The NBA is a is a scoring combo guard game anyway. You know, what is a point guard? Come down, get the ball movement, moving with that first pass. Once you come off the ball that first time, what are you anyway? You're a scoring guard. We only have twenty four seconds anyway. So I'm always, once again, gonna take the guy that can put that ball in the basket. Um Tyrese, he has the the speed to break his man down and, and, and the creativeness and the hunger to to get his own. He doesn't need it created for him. Um, 
play out of pick and roll. I think he showed a, he showed this year at Kentucky that he does have the ability to make plays for others and make guys around him better. Um, but I think the part that makes Tyrese Maxey special is when big moments come, he gets that glow. Like some guys start glowing and some guys kind of shy away from the moment. Obviously, I'm from Texas, so I've seen Tyrese Maxey a lot. He played um, for the Houston Hoops for a little while, didn't he? He did play with the Hoops for a little while. And, and I mean, he's never disappointed me. Like, I think he has more athleticism than he gets credit for. Like I said, he obviously his shot is a little funky, but he makes it. It works for him. And with the development and the time to really, really craft his craft, and 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 I I think I don't know how you don't like it. And 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 to go a step further, Kentucky guards deliver, man. It is what it is. No matter how you feel about them individually, when they come to the league. Kentucky guards deliver. Jamal Murray, Tyler Harrow, um, John Wall, Bledsoe. Bledsoe, you know what I'm saying? You can go all the way back to Rondo. You know what I'm saying? I, obviously, he's not a Calipari Kentucky guard. You know what I'm saying? Jamal Murray, you know, Devin Booker, but Kentucky guards deliver, man. Like, they bred for this. Gilgis Alexander. And that's why I have a hard time figuring out where Tyrese goes. Because after, like the Michigan State game, like the first or second Ooh. game of the year, he, he was nice. But then after that, like the, the shooting wasn't as, as good as I projected. Um, but then you also, like you say, you got to figure Kentucky guys always end up looking better than they do, or they look better in the NBA. So you have to always consider that. But I still don't know if he's a point. But obviously you think he's a, a, a point, but even though you broke down, like once you give the ball up, then you're scoring guard. Um, man, we didn't get a chance to really see him play point because he was in a situation at Kentucky where they had three point guardish type players. So here's a question for you. Okay. All right. So you're you're from Texas, obviously. So you've seen a lot of the high school guys. Uh, when R.J. Hampton and Tyrese went heads up, R.J. got the best of them. So, and I've you know obviously here in Dallas that gets brought up quite a bit because I think R.J. might have had like thirty, and Tyrese had twenty. So what makes you? And I didn't see the, I didn't see that game in person. Okay. But I'm, you know, yeah, but yeah. word, word sure. got, sure. got around. And so um, what, what makes you think that, what makes you have Tyrese so much higher than RJ? Because I love rim finishers. Um, his ability to beat his man off the bounce, really, really apply pressure at the front of the rim. Um, just, great just touch around the yeah, he he finished through contact. Like I said, he has the athleticism to finish with both hands, but his ability to apply pressure at that rim, um, his speed, his body control, just his ability to score. You know, some guys uh they make shots, some but 
just score and, and his ability to finish around that rim, I value it probably more than others. Um, that's something that all the point guards that I've always loved in the league, they, they, they've been really, really good at, whether it was um, Kyrie, his, his ability to finish at the rim on top of his ability to make shots, whether it's Gordon Dragic, his ability, underrated finisher at the rim. You know, um, one guy that I know a lot of people might not like the comparison and it's not a disrespect to anybody mentioned, um, but a guy that I compare Tyrese Maxey to is Jeff T. Not a great shooter coming out of college, but had the speed, had the athleticism, had enough ball skills to make plays for others. Um, and he an got better. Starting point guard on the 61 team. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, so um, just the speed and his ability to score, man. I, I think I think it it could be electric, definitely game changing. Man, you do a good job of convincing me to be like, you know, I need to look at some film all over again. Because <laughs> the stuff that you see, but when you, when you explain it and you bring it out, it's like, dang, he is right. <laughs> all right, so here's another it. one. <laughs> now this is another shocker. First of all, I give you props for having the balls to say this because I know you're going to get attacked. I, I know the comments. When I post this video, are gonna be like, "He's crazy. What is he thinking?" But I'm okay with it. So I, at number eight, you have the Knicks taking Lamelo Ball. So before I get into to where, where uh, your reasoning behind it, I have a tough time sometimes making my big board and my mock draft and being realistic. And I do as well. But that's, that's why I really appreciate how different your board is because the way this looks is you like, this is just my opinion and I could care less <laughs> how I think it may play out. This is my personal big board. And I, like I said, I, I struggle with it because I know like, you know, I, I know LaMelo is probably not going to fall this low. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I but, agree. And, and, and every year I do mine and I always, change what I think due to the rumors or due to the fact that I just know, you know, a guy isn't going to slide. Um, and truth be told, um, that's part of the dynamic with the Anthony Edwards. Like, like I like him. I'm, I don't love him, but I understand the value that he brings. Right. Um, but, but yeah, that's a struggle that I think we all kind of go through because ultimately we know, some guys, regardless of, they're still going to be drafted higher than um, the value that they truly hold. De'Aaron Fox, Lonzo Ball. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so, so, so why do you have Lamelo number eight? Um, obviously, I saw Lamelo on the grassroots scene Which, um, back when, when he was playing. Like when he was back like in, 13 back, or something? <laughs> yeah, he was he was super young. Super young. I mean, he was I mean back Lonzo then was just throwing throwing it like a football down the court and they was catching it, letting it fly, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I I I I I tried to watch some games from him overseas. Um I saw a game. Um I obviously I went through synergy and saw a lot of clips. I checked his percentages. Um Ultimately, it's, it's the league, and everything is moving to who can make shots. 
LaMelo doesn't. So how are we going to knock one guy for not being a great shooter, but on the back end, we're going to praise and promote another guy, and he's a bad shooter as well. Um, on To go a step further, I don't know what he can defend. <laughs> he was the worst um, defender in Australia last year. Exactly. So we're talking about a guy that can't defend and a guy that can't make shots. Um, obviously, he's a wizard with the ball in his hands. Uh, uh, make all the reads. He has the size. He can see over the top. He can deliver it. Um, but ultimately, once again, this is a bucket business. You know, can he get to the rim and finish? I don't think he he he's can he can at a high clip, you know what I'm saying? Um, obviously he's not the most physical kid. He doesn't play low with a low center of gravity. So when that bump comes, what what comes next? You know, so I do think over time he'll be better, but top three, number one, I can't take him that high. Yeah, I, I agree. Um He's he's not well. I I think I have him going um, higher than what I would rank him on my big board. Just trying to be somewhat realistic. Um, sure. I personally think Killian Hayes is better, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think Lamelo's the hype that he's receiving. I don't believe that his game matches the hype, and I, I've said it before. We got fooled the first time, and it looks like they're going to get fooled again. I mean, right. LeVar had Magic Johnson <laughs> talking about putting jerseys in the rafters. He had Magic Johnson move D'Angelo Russell, who's, you know, he, he's, he's been an all-star. He was in the East, but he's still going to be a 20-point-per-game score for quite a while. Sure. Yeah, so I'm like, dang, LeVar got magic. He, he got magic with the Okie Doke. He got magic. <laughs> so, so, um, but my, my question, I've been bringing it up. Are we falling for the Okie Doke again? Are we falling for the hype? Or are we going to be in a situation where, you know, the money situation in the NBA, the landscape is going to change? No fan. I think they say like 40% mm -hmm. of teams' revenue comes from you know, ticket sales, does an owner say, no, we're taking the metal? I think our owner does because, I mean, he's definitely going to move units and sell tickets. Um, but once again, like you said, like everyone value it differently. Um, I think I think he, he, his praise and his value comes from his ability to be a wizard with the ball and make, make guys better um obviously he's a very creative passer and i mean when he's passing a ball yeah it looks special um but even still one thing i will the say value, is he doesn't the value turn the ball over True. that's one thing i will say he doesn't turn the ball over but <laughs> i know people are going to hate this but like brandon jennings didn't turn the ball over a lot either mm. but his shot selection were turnovers because he took a bunch of contested pull-ups and 
And so, but if you look at his stats, you're like, dang, you know, he, he his assist to turnover ratio was pretty decent. I feel like a lot of LaMelo's early in the shot clock pull up threes, especially considering that he's not a really good three-point shooter. To me, those are just as bad as turnovers in a sense. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've heard people say that he doesn't need to be a great shooter, but if he can be a respectable shooter with volume, then they think that he's a weapon. That I mean, on one hand, I can see it, but he has to be able to do something else. Like, he has to be able to break down a defense consistently. For and, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I – um, who 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 is and, and 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 to go a step further, what does he look like with league defenders? Like people act like people aren't defending in the league, and obviously I told you where I where it stands with me. But ultimately, these guys are still making the effort. They still, you know, say so he's gonna be being guarded by let's say a, a Kelly Oubre, you know, a guy with a seven two wingspan, exceptional feet, um, good athleticism laterally like what does he look like with league defenders i'm not saying i'm not saying that he's not gonna um be able to make the the, the adjustment but i'm just ah it's, it's not enough there and i don't have a perfect comparison for lamello um the guy that i have slotted beside his name i have question marks beside it but i have Derek white that's interesting but you know what's funny? Lamelo draws the funniest comparisons on my on my comments. Um, I was on a Knicks draft uh, podcast, and someone compared him to six nine. <laughs> oh wow! Um, today, someone said he's like Kylie Jenner. He's like, <laughs> he, I, I think the way he broke it down was, you know, because you see Kylie Jenner so much, you know she's not the most beautiful. But you start to think she's beautiful because you see her so much. And that was his comparison sure. for LaMelo. And then somebody else compared him to Michael Carter Williams. They said he may look good early as a rookie, but then after that, what's going to happen? And I, I thought that yeah. was pretty interesting because, I mean, there's not going to be a team as bad as that, that Philly team that Michael Carter for Williams sure. And uh, I remember going to games that year as a rookie, when he was a rookie, and um, the a player, I was like, man, you know, Michael Carter Williams, I was like, he's, he put up numbers. And so the, the player was like, he's not good, dog. I was like, he's like, look, he's not good. He's playing a lot of minutes. He said he's a guy yeah. that if you give any NBA player a, a terrible team, in 35 minutes a game, they're going to put up the same stats. He was they're like, They're going to get numbers. Name one thing that you saw tonight that he did well. He's like, Yeah, you look at the stats, he had 15, 7, and 7. He said he did absolutely nothing and had no impact. And I've, I've never been a Michael Carter Williams guy. But remember, he had like this big game against Miami and D Wade, and everybody was in love with him, or whatever. I but yeah, and I thought that was an interesting comparison. I think Melo obviously is, um, you know, he has more like flash to his game than, than Michael Carter Williams. Yeah. But that comparison really made me scratch my head a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
That's interesting. And and I and I've wrecked my brain trying to find the perfect comparison. I've tried to Kevin Martin. Nah, nah, not really. You know, you so can't. it's like they really there is no perfect comparison. Like I, I say Derek White, obviously Derek White isn't six seven, but he he initiates, um, plays out the pick and roll, he can deliver the the passes. Obviously he's a better shooter than LaMelo, but He's a hard guy to kind of identify comparison-wise. My brother compared him to, he called him a 6'7", Jason Williams, 6'7", White Chocolate. Mm. See, but, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a slippery slope, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I mean, if White Chocolate was 6'7", I would get scared. Right, but... White chocolate in Sacramento was he had you know he he was out there having fun, but then Absolutely. when they wanted to win, they were like, we okay, to come out." Yeah, we we we, yeah. Need, a, we need a steady. <laughs> we need a game manager that, that was, can knock that down was young Jay Will. Yeah, that right. was young Jay Will. And then he they moved him for for Bibby, and then you know they ended up competing. So yeah. I thought, like, dang, you know that's that's kind of valid too. All right, so moving on to number nine. This is another one. So I'm, I'm with you on this pick. He's – is it a Seattle thing? Is it a Seattle area thing where they got these guys that are, like, crazy talented? Because I don't think that J.D. McDaniels will go this high in the draft. I don't But talent-wise, he's top I'm five. Them. And he's kind of like – uh, Kevin Kevin Porter to me Kevin just, Porter but you know what I felt the same way about his brother when I watched his brother last year I was like yo this dude's upside could be crazy he's skilled he can do this and that but it didn't it, you know it just the talent and the numbers didn't you know they weren't sure. the same so sure. I had Jaden McDaniels top 10 at the worst at this time last yeah. year. But the yeah. numbers just didn't, the talent is there. Like you watching, you're like, okay, there's only Kevin Durant and there's maybe like five guys that can do what he just did. Not too many guys yeah. are that tall that are moving like that, that can handle pull up. So in your opinion, why weren't the numbers in the production, why did they match the talent? I don't know how to I don't even know how to answer that question. Um I don't know if it's a attitude, I don't know if it was culture. Um like I don't know because six nine dribble shoot pass, first name come to head is Paul George. And he looks you know, taller like, than six nine to me. He looked taller than Isaiah Stewart. For for sure, you know, so it's like but but as numbers wise, I don't know. And he got down, like he had games where you know what I'm saying? But just watching him, he can do so much. But his ability, like I got like I said five, six times in, in this since we've been recording. I value guys that can get their own. I value guys that can put the ball in the basket, you know. So his ability to do so at six nine, um, the way the wing, the way the league is going, small ball, he can play the four, he can play the three. I believe he's a three. I believe he's a three. Um, it's, it's 
too much there. Like if it doesn't work out, okay, trade it. You know what I'm saying? But just don't give it a shot and you need to fill that position on your roster and it could turn out to be an amazing fit long term. I can't pass on it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be tough. I think that where he goes is going to be like I think that's early in his career. I want to see him go to a team with a really, really good developmental staff. I would really like to see him fall somewhere like Toronto. Mm. Even though that's way down there, Toronto has taken guys that, I mean, Siakam. I didn't even know Siakam went to high school here in Dallas. Yes, he did. <laughs> like, I didn't know that until he was in the league. And, you know, at that time, I was around Dallas basketball. He was just – he must have been playing in way off tournaments. <laughs> he must have been playing in And he went JUCO, and then he went yep. to Mexico State. Like, like, yeah. Terrence Davis, guy that yeah. came in out of nowhere to be a rotational player. I mean, Van Vliet turned into – you know, he's about to get a bag. I was going to say this summer, but the summer's over. <laughs> he's about to get a bag Yeah, this winter. In the near future, for <laughs> right. sure. Um, so they've done a good job of just – developing guys. I would like to see him fall mm-hmm. there. I mean, I, obviously Toronto's picking like 28, I, I believe. But yeah, like the talent is there. Like I just I, I just could not figure out why the talent and the production just didn't match. And I mean, like like it's just growth and maturity. Um I think him seeing his name fall lower than where he know he should be. Um, I think that'll humble you to a certain extent. Maybe it's the, the the guys in which he run with. Maybe like I don't know. I don't know his background. I don't know his upbringing. I don't know him as a as a person. But um, for a team, like, is that a reason not to take a guy? Like, unless it just comes back and it's like everything you hear is bad. And but even still, it's like something in you should want to give a guy at least a chance if you have championship aspirations you know what i'm yeah. saying like sometimes you need a little bit of that you know not 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 a knucklehead knucklehead but somebody with a little edge to him yeah um, i haven't heard anything about him only thing i can think of is that all right he's he can shoot a little bit i wouldn't say he's a good enough shooter to be a stretch to to where you just kind of place him in the corner and just say, hey, you're going to be a, a stretch four or a stretch three. I think he's too talented for that. But I think that he needs, like, the ball in his hands to unlock his full skill set, but his turnovers outweigh his assists by, like, a ridiculous amount. And so and I wonder – that's just doing too much. Yeah, and I Maybe wonder is that the It needs reason. to be simplified. But, yeah, that to me that's – that's my question about him is like fit. Like if he can, if he was a, a better decision maker, then I think that you can, you know, put him in pick and rolls and you can, you know, run plays for him and allow him to do what he does. Because with his size, if you ran a ball screen for him and got a guard switched on him, a guard is not contesting that pull up. There's yeah. nothing a guard can do with that. Nothing a lot of bigs can do with it because he's, you know, he's got the handle to throw your timing off and to be able to pull up. So 
I think he needs He's to be a, a better shooter. Nightmare. Right. For sure. He needs to be a better shooter, a more consistent shooter, and to kind of cut down on his turnovers. Some of his turnovers are just like really head scratching. And so that's the, mm-hmm. the reason why I, I say that um, he may fall. But I think just a talent, talent-wise, you got to swing for the fences, especially in this draft. If, if it's a draft where yeah. you figure like there's no home, there's no all-stars, I don't see why a team wouldn't just swing for the fences. But he's also a, a guy that I think that could be – So I, I was in China last year, and China is okay. full of these guys that can go out and get buckets. They just struggled with, like, an NBA fit. Like, for example, mm-hmm. Marshawn Brooks. Marshawn got game. A lot of it. A lot of game. But he's not good enough to be the number one option in the NBA. But his game isn't also suited to be a complimentary guy. And he's in this weird, like, in China, it's, it's all those guys in China, like a guy you're familiar with, Joe Young. The dude was averaging like 50. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. I know he had like a game with like 70. Where talent-wise, he's not too many guys in the NBA can check him. There's guys in sure. NBA rosters that he's better than, but it's all about fit. And so I wonder, like, mm-hmm. with Jaden McDaniels, is it going to be a fit issue with him? Because if he doesn't, if he doesn't improve as a, a decision maker, then a team isn't really going to give him the keys to the offense and allow him to make plays. And then if he's not a good mm-hmm. enough shooter to where you can play him off the ball, then he fits in that weird mix because in today's NBA, it's like if you're like a volume scorer but you're inefficient and you're not a playmaker, there's not a lot of roles for you. Yeah. And so I wonder, but is he going to fall into that category? He just, he just needs a, a good system. And on top of a good system, he needs a team with, with good vets. That's one thing I think a lot of times um, the league – it's, it's, it's so much turnover sometimes. Teams don't have the vets that they used to have. So these young guys come in to a situation that they don't really have anyone to learn from, you know. Um, it's valuing guys being married with kids, you know, just give you a, a different perspective on life, a different perspective on approach. Um, I think that's part of the reason why um, the Spurs, when they were really, really doing it big, you know what I'm saying, because they, they just – they weren't trying to – go to the hookah bar, you know what I'm saying, or go you know, to a strip club, like, they going home, family at home, kids at the crib. So I, I think I think that veteran presence um, could really do wonders for, for a Jay McDaniels and some of these other guys. Just But like you said, who are the vets nowadays in the league that are actually grabbing some of these younger guys and pouring experience into them? Yeah, and that's another podcast I want to do. You know, like maybe like right around draft time or after it's over, I want to dig deep into like the rosters because um, let's do it. it let's was. do it. I don't know. It might have been like Phoenix. Like Devin Booker might be the vet. Mm-hmm. And he's like twenty-four. Aaron Baines. Yeah, and so <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I have a friend. It's a it's it's off subject a little bit. But he, he was on that Cleveland team right after LeBron left. 
Okay. So he had a best friend that was drafted maybe a year after him, but his best friend went to OKC. Mm. And so he's out the league. His best friend is has made over a hundred million. And he okay. says that you know, he was young and they had no veterans. They were in this situation where LeBron was gone. The team was just nobody cared. Everybody was just like, you know, we about to Yeah. Yeah. To be it's bad. a tough situation. And he said he picked up all these bad habits while he said his friend was on the Thunder. And I mean, anybody, I guess people can do the math and figure out. The friend was Serge Ibaka. So he yeah. was saying that, you know, Ibaka was on the team with Westbrook, Durant, Harden. Those guys Harden. was in, he said, even though they were in OKC, it wasn't like, you know, a live city, but you can get in trouble yeah. anywhere. But he said, oh, absolutely. Those guys were in the gym. So mm -hmm. if the you know Durant's in the gym and Westbrook is in the gym, everybody else has to be in the gym, and you're being held accountable. And so, yeah. um, and their vet was Mick Collison. But even then, one. like I don't know the. Yeah, I mean they probably have some other vets on the team, but even yeah. then, those guys were so driven that you know they didn't necessarily need like a bunch of vets. Like absolutely. They were, yeah, they were really driven. And they were I mean, rats. They were junkies. Right. All, all <laughs> of them have MVPs and they're all going to be Hall of Famers. And Back. yeah, and I just wonder like with some of these, and I don't, I don't want to just keep calling them kids, but they're, they're like 18 or 19 years old. And you can go to the wrong situation in the wrong team, or, you know, if you go to a team where you're the best player in your team is your de facto leader, but. You know, he's a bad influence. Yeah, it can, it can have have an impact. But I'm a, I'm gonna hold you to that, and we'll we'll definitely do an episode on that. And I think I may have a, a friend of mine that's an agent come on, and he can talk about it from the agent's perspective. Because I haven't heard Let's do it last year an agent tell me he didn't want a player to go to a certain team. He's like, my client is impressionable. I know if he goes mm -hmm. to that team in that city with no vets. He's not gonna last. That's real. That's real. Um, like that's as that's as real as it gets. And that and that's the inner workings of draft night that a lot of people don't truly understand. But sometimes players don't work out for certain teams because they are their agent is doing everything in their power to avoid that situation. Yep. And yep, that's, that's true. It's needed. Yeah. All right, let's go to number ten, Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, I think um, at this time in the draft and for their roster makeup, they need a, a four. Um, obviously, the NBA being moving, like I said, to a small ball. I have Phoenix taking Patrick Williams. I think he is a perfect four-man, modern-day four. He can put on the deck. He can shoot it. He has the athleticism. He has the roughness, the toughness, the bang a little bit, got the big chest. He can elevate and go get the rebound, two hands. Like, he's a he's a power forward. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He just has a, a little bit more ability, and he's young. So it's Super like his young. upside his upside is like you got to at least see what comes about. But with, the, with that roster, I think uh, 
Monty Williams done a, a, a wonderful job this past season. So I think I think it, it could be a really, really match made in heaven. Yeah, I think that would be a good pick. I think that um, Williams is the modern day four. I think like 10 years ago, he would have been a tweener. And he would have yeah. you know, been low in the draft. Been out the league. But now, it's funny, like tweeners are valued. And then the, the, the big... You know, Vernon Carey's and Isaiah Stewart's, those guys that would have been top five picks, now they're at the, the back end of the draft. So mm-hmm. the game has changed, and I'm, I'm curious to see what the next wave is. Like, what's the next change? Yeah. Because it, you know, it went small ball, and then threes. And then, you know, at one point it was all isolation. Every team was drafting a foreign big that played like Dirk. Then before that, everybody mm-hmm. wanted a a volume six six two guard that played ISO basketball. They're trying to find new Jordan. And so yeah, yeah I mean I, I'm curious to see what the next wave is. But we are at like over an hour, right? So I want to ask a yeah. favor. I usually do the lotto and then I do the second half of the lotto. But this is going so well I want to bring you on two more times. I want to break it down. You did your top ten. I want you to come back on We'll do your second 10, and then we'll do, okay. you know, the third 10, and then we'll finish at 30. Yeah, we, we can do that. And, and, and um, that's perfect because I actually – I'm still comprising, and I, and I do believe it's going to change um, once I, the combine comes. Um, just being able to see where, where some guys measure out there with their uh, anthropometry measurements, the reach, wingspan. Um, how well they move, hand size, all of those things that I value. Um, this is just going off the top of my head, kind of evaluating game, fit to a roster. But um, once the draft come, I think it'll be – I don't think it'll change that much, but I do think it'll change some. All right, yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. So hopefully you got time this week. We can do part 10. We'll do 11 through 11 through 20. And then we'll finish out the rest of the first round. So this is my guy, Alex Pugh. I like the perspective that he brings because he's bringing a perspective as a guy that's, you know, scouting and evaluating talent. But he's also talking with a coach's mind. Like he's talking coaches speak that coaches talk about. Like he's the first one on here that was like, this player doesn't have a hot, you know, he's not low in his stance and, and, and all that stuff. So I think that definitely gives us a different perspective. So I appreciate you coming on and talking basketball with me. But, yeah, I'm just asking a favor, man. I need you to come on two more times. You got to break hey, this. you my guy. Right. Anything, anything you need, I'm here for it, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right, no problem. Yeah, we're going to break this into threes. But once again, it's Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies. Got my guy, Alex Pugh. We got Alex.